0: You are listening to the Tilted Lawyer podcast, a show that inspires the legally challenged to enter the courtroom armed with a plan. I'm Omar Serrato, owner of the Eagle Law Firm, experienced litigator, and the man you want to talk to before your big case. My co-host is Ileana Klon-Rosa, owner of Clone rosa Law, and a rising star in Southern California. Recording in five, four, three. Two, one. Welcome everybody to episode sixteen of the Tilted Lawyer podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. A follow up from our last video from last week, where I don't know if you guys are paying attention or not, but our our channel kind of blew up in a major way. Well, not in a major way. By that I mean we're used to you know putting out these videos and like our family is watching and whatever. Oh, that's really great. Some of our clients are paying attention. (laughs) And so we're not used to having a large audience. But after the Daryl Brooks video, when we recapped the entire trial in episode 16, over the weekend, we started getting an audience. And as of the last time I checked, we were just under 4,000 views for that video in comparison to, um, I don't know, I think our our most viewed YouTube video anyway was like 50 or 60 Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. Sounds right. So what we had always said was we were going to continue to put on content for a year and just see what happens and, you know, see where we were at. And we've been doing this now for about three months, four months. And when we started, we were literally on Zoom, the free webcam, 30-minute limits. (laughs) And, well... I mean, the, the video never made it to air. It was terrible. It was fuzzy. It was, it didn't sound very good. I don't even remember what we talked about. I want to say that we talked about how to win your child support case or something like that yeah. or your custody case. And since then, we've gone through many iterations of uh, the Tilted Lawyer podcast studio. It used to be just me and Eliana here in our respective offices, and she would be at home and there would be a coloro in the background or a, a clodrio, a, a drill. <laughs> a <laughs> a, a <collagor>. yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know we would have a, I would be here doing my thing and then we invited the crew to come in and then we experimented with studio setups in our conference room and I think what we've settled on is what you see here a lot of work has been put into this there's been a substantial learning curve to all of this and who knew that I was going to be using part of my JD degree to put together a studio podcast uh, for a lawyer show which is what we are doing but here we are and uh, we have a wonderful show on deck for you guys today. Uh, we are going to do a update on the Daryl Brooks sentencing hearing. There was a scheduling hearing that took place on Monday. Um, Daryl Brooks once again started s- asserting his uh, sovereign citizen arguments um, and speaking out of turn. There was a—well, um, he got kicked out of the courtroom again, um, and we'll, we'll talk about that later, but more— Apt, I think, to our discussion is I wanted to do a talk about the Parkland sentencing. I don't know if you guys saw any of the victim impact statements.
2: I saw a brief one um, from one of the classmates, I believe, who, I believe the victim's was her boyfriend and she was wearing a shirt that basically was her boyfriend's shirt and now he was wearing it. She was wearing it for, for you know, on behalf of him, mm-hmm. it was just very sad to see. I didn't finish it though; it's just very heartfelt. Well, I mean, the, I
0: think the, um, I think the, my 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 microphone sound just changed. It threw me off. I think the the impact statements lasted a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they wrapped up yesterday, and we're going to go over some of the video. But I think more importantly, if you're not familiar with the Parkland sentencing, I'm going to take you through a brief. Timeline of events. The reason why I was so appalled... Um, Eliana, have you ever done an impact statement or been present for impact statements?
1: No. Well, I've, been, I've only seen, like, the ones on TV, but not really.
0: I've been in the courtroom for some. Um, some of my cases mm-hmm. have had impact statements. And it's always... To be honest with you, a lot of the impact statements, like, they, there is Marcy's Law. Marcy's Law is a um, national directive about victims' rights and what they have the right to do. And one of their rights is the right to be heard in um, their respective cases. It gives them a right to certain things. And if you look at the national Marcy's Law website, there are three key tenements is the victims have a right to be treated with dignity and respect throughout criminal justice proceedings, to be notified of their rights as a victim of crime, and almost more importantly, Uh, to be notified of specific public proceedings throughout the criminal justice process and to be present and heard during those proceedings. There are a lot of different... Those cases, by the way, apply to any victim across the board, no matter how major or how minor. I've seen impact statements literally for, like, car accidents.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: And and you'll get, like, this guy that's in there and he gets a chance to spout off at the guy that rear-ended him, and it's kind of ridiculous. But there's occasions... Where, such as in this case, and if anybody needed a reminder of what happened in the Parkland shooting, Nicholas Cruz, um, on the date of the incident, here's the general timeline. 2.06 p.m. He takes an Uber car to the school in which he has planned to shoot up. He is armed uh, to the gills uh, with ammunition with an AK-47 at 2.19 an Uber car drops him off near Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. A witness spots him arriving in a gold-colored vehicle and alerts colleagues that he was walking purposely towards the building as if to walk with a sinister intent. And within a minute, he hears gunshots. This is at 2.19, 2.21 p.m., surveillance footage and the witnesses. Uh, place him entering the school's east stairwell of building 12 with a rifle inside of a black soft case. When he exits the stairwell, he pulls the rifle out of the case and he starts shooting. Pause. At 221, um, well, he sets off the school's fire alarms. After he starts shooting, it's 2.21 p.m. A minute later, he, uh, he um, after the fire alarms go off, the school is evacuating uh, consistent with their fire evacuation drills. There's 3,000 students and staff in that school. Um, the investigators believe that he wanted to draw people out so he could have more people to shoot. Um, he begins shooting in a four to separate classrooms. He takes another stairwell to the second floor and allegedly shoots one of the victims. There were 17 deaths, I think, in this case, if I remember correctly. He was using a 223 caliber AR-15 style uh, rifle to carry out the shooting. The school goes on lockdown. Students take cover in the classrooms. Um, People are jumping over fences. They're escaping into um, a nearby Walmart. Some of the students are texting loved ones and others are posting on social media their chairs are overturned to try to shield them from the bullets this all happens within a span of 30 to 45 seconds 222 school resource deputy scott peterson um, is near the school's administration building the first 911 call is made we're now maybe 90 seconds into the initial firings of, of the bullets um, peterson is seen on video heading towards building 12 he advises be advised, we have possible, it could be firecrackers. He didn't know at that time was his gunshots. or was a firecrackers. What is it? Um, he's near the southeast corner of building 12 and northeast corner of building 7. He appears to stay there on the footage uh, during the um, entirety of the shooting. The Corral Springs Fire Department is dispatched to the school. 225, the first Broward Sheriff's deputy arrives. They say shots are heard on the football field. Peterson calls for the school to be locked down. The deputy reports that students by the football field are, they thought they were hearing firecrackers. Um, They weren't sure. Uh, They also said that there was um, shootings inside the 1200 building of the school. 226. Corral Springs Police Officer Dispatch um, goes on dispatch to talk about a possible active shooting. Uh, They're told uh, the 911 lines are blowing up. The victims are literally in that school being shot up and trying to get a hold of anybody Family members, law enforcement, 911. It's it's literal chaos inside of those buildings. At 227, uh, the first officer arrives to the school. Peterson says to make sure that nobody goes inside of the school while the shooting is occurring. Um, Nicholas Cruz, he takes the building's east stairwell to the third floor where he drops his rifle and his backpack and he begins running down stairs looking for more victims to shoot. The suspect exits building 12. He runs towards the tennis courts. It's now 2.28 p.m., Uh, about seven minutes since he arrived in that Uber vehicle. Seconds after Cruz leaves the building, Peterson says, Broward, do not approach the 12 or 1300 building. Stay at least 500 feet away at this point. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, but by now, everybody knows what's, what, what did went on. Um, Cruz continues running and eventually mixes with the students and staff running out of the school. On the Corral Springs radio, uh, which cannot be heard by Broward deputies, the suspect is described as a white male with an ROTC uniform, burgundy shirt. 2.29 p.m., the Broward County deputy tries to enter the Building 13. They can't get in because the building is locked. There's a description of the gunman at this point. Um, it goes out on dispatch. It was a male in a hoodie with an AK-47 or an AR-15. At that point, they weren't sure. Corral Springs officers are told three people are down in room 1216. At 2.30 p.m., about nine minutes after his arrival, Nicholas Cruz, uh, a deputy says he's told the suspect is possibly inside the three-story building wearing narotc ROTC uniform. At 2.32, there's four officers possibly from Corral Springs two Broward County uh, deputies. They go into building 12 um, about 11 minutes after the first shots at 2 36 PM. More law enforcement arrives at two 50. The gunman arrives at a nearby Walmart store, buys a drink at a subway station there and then walks out at three Oh one. He goes to a nearby McDonald's shootings over at this point. He's just kind of just wandering around. Yeah. Um, 3.11, 3.11, the FBI and dozens of police vehicles are responding to the shooting. Uh, the video shows some students lying on the ground. They're being treated for their injuries and moved into ambulances. Um, Sarah Sanders, uh, Donald Trump was president at that time, uh, says that Mr. Trump was briefed on the issue and it was monitoring the situation. At 3.15, the gunman is still at large. At 3.40, the school begins to dismiss The students' buses are taking them to hotels nearby where they're able to reunite with their families. At 3.41 p.m., a Coconut Creek police officer searching for the suspect in a nearby neighborhood notices that someone was walking on the side of the road wearing something matching the um, suspect's description. Uh, Details about the suspect have been transmitted via law enforcement radio. Uh, A witness saw him arriving at the school prior to the shooting, identified him at the arrest location. Authorities had also identified the suspect using school security video at 3.50. um, Well, it was around that time, around 3.41, somewhere between 3.41 and 3.50. He's finally arrested. Trump makes a statement at 3.50. At 3.53, uh, law enforcement goes into the school's building to try to uh, bring out anybody else that might have been left in there. Um, there was a statement made by at 4.20 by the Broward School a superintendent at 5.18. Uh, Governor Rick Scott goes to Broward County, and he's going to brief everybody about the situation. End of day at 6.30. That was the carnage left behind, uh, resulting in uh, the deaths of many children. I mean, high school students. If you go into the medical details of some of what happened, and by the way, uh, we got that timeline off of an article uh, from the AP. Um, I forgot where it was. Um, but some of the medical shootings, you'll see why I'm painting this picture um, in, in a minute. But uh, from the New York Times, the horrifying particulars conveyed an emotional witness testimony, chilling audio recordings and dispassionate forensic accounts they were impossible to avoid altogether. The teacher at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School tied a baby blanket around a wounded student's arm as a tourniquet. How the gunfire from a semi-automatic rifle boomed inside a classroom under attack. How the high-powered bullets, bullets ravaged the bodies of children. Uh, there was a witness in the case, this is coming from Fox 4 now, uh, where Dr. Boyko, Iori Boyko, I think is how you pronounce that, the medical examiner who did autopsies on four of the victims said that the biggest and most gruesome wounds appeared where high-speed bullets fired by Cruz's semi-automatic rifle exited their body. One girl had her head blown open. Another had the front of her right shoulder blade missing. There was another missing most of a forearm, a bicep from three wounds. The AP is not naming specific victims, of course, Um One girl would have died from a bullet that grazed the top of her head as the shockwave fractured her skull, causing extensive brain damage. She also suffered a fatal wound through her chest. Most of the victims were shot multiple times. (sighs) So I have a child. Um, I have, well, I have three children. My oldest is 16, would have been around the age of a lot of the victims in this case. And as a parent, when you get to point where you're raising a 16 year old at that point you've you've invested countless thousands of hours into that child all of your hopes and your dreams that you have for them they're they stay with you you know and you you grow up and you see them growing up and there's various stages you have them from a newborn baby And you see them growing, but they're taking their first steps. The first time that they get to go onto a playground and they start climbing ladders and you're like right behind them because you don't want them to fall and hurt themselves. And you watch them grow up and do their first dance recital or their first baseball game or their first whatever sporting event. And you watch them in their Christmas pageants and you see them grow up from this little bean of a, a baby into a little small miniature adult. And you start wondering about all the things that the future holds from this new addition to the family. And then uh, somebody named Nicholas Cruz walks in from whatever adolescent vitriol was raging through his veins on that day and decides to take out 17 of these uh, children of parents who have invested all of that time. They went through four years of litigation on this case. The guilty verdict wasn't enough. We just got done with a sentencing trial to decide whether or not we were going to put Nicholas Cruz to death. And they were having to cope with the fact because almost all unanimously wanted for him to receive the death penalty. The jury decided that they wanted to spare Mr. Cruz's life. And they did spare his life. So now these parents are left um, with vast uh, swasages of their lives up in smoke by the bullets of this young man Nicholas Cruz and left to uh, try to make sense of it all, why a jury would allow this murderer to live when their children's lives were so unceremoniously ended. And a couple of days ago, the public defenders that were representing the defense team of Mr. Nicholas Cruz gets up to lodge an objection At the parents, the victims in this case, stating that it was, they were making inappropriate comments towards the defense team and that how dare they, you know what, I'm just going to play the video clip. I think you guys should, um, this was the objection. Let me find that video really quick. The defense objection, video number one. Let me expand this. So they took a brief recess, and the defense um, lodges the following objection. objection.
3: I'm sorry? To, To, when we're not in recess, to make an objection? When we're in recess, to make an objection?
4: The defense team in this case followed and maintained their constitutional duty, the Sixth Amendment right to provide effective representation to Mr. Cruz. This is a constitutional right that is accorded to every criminal defendant in the system. The court is aware, and so is the state, of Marcy's law and the victim's rights that are afforded in the United States Constitution and the as the Florida Constitution. That does not include personally attacking- Could you guys see that video okay? And our children. The defense reached out to the state, Mrs. McCann specifically, in anticipation that something like this might happen. I understand that the victim's families are entitled to feel however they want to feel and are allowed to say whatever they want to say. But in the court of law, it is the court's responsibility to maintain the administration of justice. And you know the parameters of a sentencing hearing. The state knows the parameters of a sentencing hearing. I have spoken in email to Mrs. McCann. Mr. Weeks has spoken to the chief judge, Tudor. And we have also spoken to Mr. Pryor in an effort to prevent this from happening.
5: I did my job,
4: and every member of this team did their job, Judge. And we should not personally be attacked for that, nor should our children. And I'm asking this court, as the Administrator of Justice, please ask the victim's families like I asked the State Attorney's Office to do. They know that this is improper. They know this. They know that attacking defense counsel, attacking the judicial system, and attacking the jurors is not permissible and it sends a message to this community that if you sit as a juror and the verdict you're not in agreement with that you will be chastised and you will be degraded our system
0: that is such a load of philosophical bullshit if i've ever heard <laughs> i just jesus christ with this lady but let's continue
4: justice is designed the way that it was administered in this courtroom if he would have gotten dead we would not have said one single word about that, and we would have respected the judge's verdict. This is our system of government judge, and Your Honor should be maintaining the decorum in its courtroom to prevent these families from attacking our children and from attacking us personally when all we were appointed on this case
3: Oh, okay. Your, your objection is noted. Good. State, do you want
5: to? Um, your, your Honor, before we call our next witness, I would mm-hmm. like to put something on the record if I may be allowed, Your Honor, and and it is important. The defense, the defendant, has taken the lives of these people's family members, their children, their husbands, their sons, and now the defense attorneys want to take the voice of the survivors, the victims, and curtail their rights under Florida law, specifically 941.143 the Florida Constitution, Section 16B, Article 1, which gives victims a right, a right, Your Honor, to express themselves and be heard. That's Florida's equivalent of Marcy's Law. The victim's rights to speak under Chapter 960. And Ms. McNeil is right, she did reach out to me, and she did ask that we ask the victims not to speak about the verdict about the case, but under 941.143, each and every one of these victims here today was apprised under the law by our office, which we had a duty to do, that statements, whether oral or written, shall relate to the facts of the case and the extent of any harm, including social, psychological, or physical harm, financial losses, losses earnings directly or indirectly from the crime for which the defendant is being sentenced, and any matter relevant to an appropriate disposition and sentence. What these victims are here to talk about today, Your Honor, is an appropriate disposition and sentence. The defense cannot try and impose prior restraint on these victims, who have every right to be here and exercise Their freedom of speech under the First Amendment, under the Florida Constitution, under under Florida law, chapter 943 and chapter 960. And these victims have every right to express themselves. They were muzzled. They were curtailed under victim impact because they knew the instructions and they followed them to a T. And the defense knows that the state worked with the defense to make sure that everything on victim impact was admissible there were no objections and the record will bear that out and miss mcneil knows that she and i met to make sure that victim impact was at
0: you see that look on mr cruz's face right there throughout the entire the entire sentencing proceedings his face never deviates from whatever that is and if you look close i can't tell if that's like the an evil you know like he's the joker stare sinister, or if he's a scared little boy, you know, about to go in a very grown-up world um, and, you know, awaiting whatever fate is coming to him. But just watch his face throughout the whole thing.
5: Absolutely perfect under the law, and these victims now have a chance and a right to come in here and say what they're allowed to say and what they're legally allowed to say. What the defense is doing is illegal to try and curtail these victims' rights under the law, and it's unconscionable. These victims have a right to express themselves. I have not gone over what their statements are, because under the law, under Chapter 960, they don't have to tell me what they're going to say. They can ask me if they need guidance, and I will provide it to them. But they have a right to address this court. Thank you, Your Honor.
0: But they're going to follow it up and the judge is about to get pissed. <laughs>
3: suggesting that I know that something is impermissible and that I am allowing it to happen. You're finished. I've heard your objection. It's noted. State, go ahead and call Ms. Ramsey. Yeah.
0: So that is their, so that's their initial, their initial objection. It didn't end there. Now they could have taken the cue from the judge and just shut the fuck Mm -hmm. up, but they had a press. Okay. But you guys just heard what she had to say, mm-hmm. yeah. that defense attorney, which I'm, as a formal, well, I'm not a formal, I'm still kind of a criminal defense attorney, <laughs> but as a criminal defense attorney, I am absolutely appalled by, but I'm curious about what you guys all think about it, what she just said, about you have the right to say whatever you want to say to Mr. Cruz, but you leave us alone, Was just basically what she was saying. What do you guys think about that?
6: She doesn't want her to speak on behalf of everybody. She wants her to speak on behalf of her, of her but not take as if her word was everybody's word, because she's wrong. And it's totally respectable. Yeah, because she's taking, like, like, what I feel is exactly how everybody feels, and no, it's not.
0: What do you think, Ileana? I know that you've been in this... Uh...
1: I'm curious, like, what exactly... With the victims saying... They were alleging... Yeah.
0: I, no, I didn't hear... I tried to go back and find where mm-hmm. they were threatening their children or whatever. Yeah, or yeah. Was so, was the
1: children comments. of the district attorney... That's what no, I was wondering. No, no, no. Well, th- those
0: are the... That's the defense team. And uh, apparently, I guess they're alleging that some of the comments made towards the defense team was inappropriate. Now, mind you that this mm-hmm. defense team... We, we actually covered this a few shows mm-hmm. ago where they were literally flipping off the judge because they Mm -hmm. didn't like her motion decisions. They were, you know, sitting there laughing and just, Mm -hmm. you know, hamming it up with um, Nicholas Cruz, the guy that murdered all of these children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they were, They're playing all this gamesmanship with the judge and like, oh, we have 150 witnesses. And then they rest after 33 and they just wasted two days of court. Mm -hmm. The judge already went in. They've been doing this Mm -hmm. shit the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of a culmination. Now we've gotten all the way here. We got this unsavory verdict that the majority of people are in disagreement with. But unfortunately or fortunately in criminal court, majorities don't count for anything. The same hand grenades. It's a. It's a. You get. It's all or nothing. It's an all or nothing. And there was a couple of jurors, and you know who knows what happened on that jury. But there was a couple that just were so against the death penalty, despite it being the fact that these, he murdered all of these children. He, they weren't going to ever recommend the death penalty. And here are these people defending him. Fair. I have defended um, unsavory characters before. But I will, will, you know what, I'm going to reserve uh, what I had to say about that (laughs) until I show you this next video clip, which is just as appalling. It's the continuation, the renewed objections. If I could figure out how to get rid of this. Boom. Okay. So now um, they, just to paint the scene, they have uh, come off of a recess. And um, the, con- the comments continued. And again, I listened to, I didn't listen to everything granted. I don't have them. I'm still a practicing attorney. I don't got time for all of this <laughs> shit. But um, I try to find out where, you know, if anybody else had highlighted something that they might've said that might've been overboard, I couldn't find anything. And um, you're going to see some, of the, uh, some examples of the victim statements um, here in a few minutes after we hear um, the judge kicking out the defense team oh, or wow. one of the members. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to play. I'm just going to play it. The gall of this defense team, I'm shocked and appalled. I just, you got to okay, let's just do it.
7: (laughs) Um, That is directed towards the defense team in this matter. It is very important, um, considering what has been happening throughout this nation, with threats to uh, the Speaker of the House um, and violence that has incurred, uh, that we do not uh, create an atmosphere where dog whistles are being emanated from this courtroom, encouraging folks to act on those same types of behaviors. This is a sentencing hearing. We are asking the court to direct the state, to direct those witnesses, to address the matters at hand. And that is their feelings with respect to how this particular sentence impacted them and how that will be helpful for the court to render judgment, but to direct any other uh, statements or any other suggestions to the defense and to the jurors uh, to encourage or incite folks to act on those uh, encouragements is not I, I object to appropriate. Yeah, there has
8: been no incitement, there has been no remarks.
0: Incitement.
8: In how you could equate
4: violence, I mean, I, I, I the agree, violence Mr. Weeks. We all right,
3: and respectfully, Mr. Weeks. Um, Miss McNeil, who's lead counsel in this case, has made all of these arguments. I've heard them. There's been 16 people that have testified. Only two have made a direct comment uh, to the lawyers.
9: And...
7: That was you know, going to change Judge, after all I'm of this. I'm standing here and I see that Jeff Marcus jumped up really quickly.
0: After this, everybody directed no their comments. No one jumped up when
7: people were referring to karma acting in the universe. No one was jumping up when they were referring to the defense children. No one jumped up to try to tap down that rhetoric. That is the rhetoric that I'm talking about. That is what I'm trying to be very clear on. Jeff, Marcus, the state, they can hide behind their arguments. But we all are witnessing what is occurring in this courtroom.
5: Which is
3: myself. I'm the judge. And and I understand that I'm in charge of the decorum. And I feel that 99% or a great percentage of what has been said has been appropriate, everybody has maintained decorum, but for a few comments, it's best to just move on as opposed to highlight them.
7: This is true, Judge, but I am witnessing a building of momentum, and I'm encouraging the court to direct the state to tap down on that momentum so it does not reoccur and it does not become a theme. Thank you, Judge.
5: Your Honor, for the record, the only thing the state has said to any of these witnesses when they get up is would they like to say something on behalf of the victim they're representing? There's been no encouraging or inciting, as Mr. Weeks has put on this record. That is a blatant falsehood and a recreation of the record. As far as no objections being made, it's the defense that could have objected. It's not the state's duty to object to their own witnesses when they're testifying. Okay,
3: I, I listen, I've already heard. If you have anything else to say, you can put it in writing at a later time. I've heard from both sides more than once. That's gonna be it. I've made my decision. Like I said, 99% of what's been testified to has been appropriate. I do not want to highlight uh, the few things that were said that were perhaps not appropriate, and let's move on. Judge, i for
8: 20 seconds. You
3: can have as many seconds as you want in writing, and you can put all of your objections in writing. They've been made multiple times from your chief assistant, from Ms. McNeil, and I don't want to hear anything else. I've already heard it. Is there something that has not already been argued? Yes, ma'am. Okay, exactly what is it?
7: So their implicit adoption of what he was saying was improper arguments. Or this improper
8: arguments or the courts, okay, but That's what, what really. you
3: are doing right now is highlighting something and making more of a spectacle. So if your office, in general, does not want to facilitate and or incite violence, then we need to just sit down and move on. That's it. There were 18 witnesses, 16 or 18 witnesses, that testified today. There was nothing that was said until Ms. McNeil made her point made and, you know, we're moving on. But is it the court going to do anything about maybe stopping it from happening again? When these people are upset about specific things that have gone on from that table, like shooting the middle finger up at this court and laughing and joking, Miss McNeil, be quiet. When these people have sat in this courtroom and watch this behavior from that table, and they want to say that they're not happy about it, what is the problem? Judge, I have no problem because I have thick skin.
0: But once you bring in my children- It don't, don't sound like he has thick skin problem.
3: at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have children. I don't know what you're talking about. Your <laughs> children, what about your children? But then the comment on my children is highly
8: improper. Before this court will allow that kind of testimony okay. is also strong.
3: There was- remember any comments about any children. And if there was, it, it, it obviously didn't, it, it, it came and went without me noticing it.
8: Church, I can assure you that if they were talking about
10: your children, you would definitely notice them.
3: You need to sit down right now. You're out of line. In fact, you're excused. You need to go sit in the back with your with your uh, chief public defender.
7: He's
3: the public. Mr. Weeks, Please ask the lawyer from your office to go sit down and not say anything else.
5: Oh to my try God. To threaten
3: my children and bring up my children is inappropriate. Go to the back. What is he of even turning around right for? Now. Just go. That just violated about every rule of professional responsibility that I have ever, I have never, if you're going to get up here and you're going to.
7: Judge, I asked you to go sidebar on this matter.
3: You sidebar or not, you don't have one of your assistant public defenders say something about my children.
7: Judge, that same venom that the court is expressing, Fuck this the same guy, venom that defense counsel had to sit through this entire morning she when their children she brought up
3: her children multiple referenced. times during the trial. Nobody knows if I'm barren or not. They don't Judge. know about my children. Judge. Sit down. Sit down. Judge. Sit down, Mr. Weeks. Please do not summarily dismiss me. I'm summarily dismissing you. asking go the <laughs> court. sit down. I'm
7: asking the court. I asked the court to go sidebar. Go
3: sit down. You don't threaten
7: the just
3: court's children. Everyone in this courtroom. That. Go sit down.
7: No, no one in this courtroom had to endure what we go had to endure. Wow. down. Miss, Miss McNeil has made her children
3: The
9: audacity. I know.
3: This trial. That was her choice. You have absolutely no right to have one of your assistants come up here and suggest something about my children. Now please go sit down.
7: Judge. You're Judge.
3: inappropriate and out of line. Go sit down.
7: Judge, may you have a brief recess?
3: No.
9: Go <laughs> sit
7: down. May I have a brief recess so I can speak to my attorneys?
3: We're moving on with the sentencing, Mr. Weeks. So I can
7: I have a
0: brief recess? No. Thank you.
3: It's one thirty-six, thank you. Oh my
0: god. Can you god. go ahead and
3: call your next witness?
0: The smugness of that guy.
2: I didn't know Jesus. they could act like that with the judge. <laughs>
0: they they kind of go, well, <clears throat> first impressions. What do you think about that spectacle put on by the defense team? I'm
2: just shocked. I didn't know that behavior was allowed. <laughs> I, I really thought that attorneys were not allowed to act that way in the courtroom. Oh, you'd be
0: surprised. Oh, they do.
9: Yeah.
6: <laughs> well, you guys have to take, aside from the bar, there's another exam, isn't it?
0: Professional, Professional responsibility. Exactly. Professional I'm sure,
2: responsibility. I'm
6: that
0: sure makes that sense. That includes that type of behavior? Yeah. M-B-R-E. Mm-hmm. MBRE, yeah. Um, nobody gives a shit about that When you, mm-hmm. once they're in practice. Once you're once you're in that courtroom and you're arguing, one thing that he did say um, is that nobody knows what we had to go through. And that's probably true. You know, no mm-hmm. fairness to him. Yeah. But for him to bring it up in that arena with mm-hmm. the victim's family yeah. sitting right behind him, literally feet away, if I was one of the victim's dads, I mean, it would have taken everything within me to not jump over the and have the bailiff tase my ass <laughs> before I try to choke his ass out. It's like, who in the hell are you? And you know what? The families. This riled them up. Mm-hmm. Something awful. Course. They came back right after that, and all of that venom that they had towards the, the defense team, it really just it spilled over, and we're going to listen to some of that. But. <clears throat>
1: That's what the judge was pointing out. That That's make yeah. It worse, and they they thought that somehow they were.
2: Yeah, the judge was like, "Don't <laughs> highlight it, and it you're making it a big deal." Yeah. Well, just I mean,
0: uh, a practice point, a practice pointer for all of you attorneys out there. When you see the judge is mm-hmm. is that pissed off at you, shut the fuck <laughs> <Yes>. up. Literally, <laughs> shut up.
6: Everything you it. say
0: right now is making it worse. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing you can say that's gonna fix that situation. You've lost the objection.
2: Yeah. Like that she was judge just is done. She's not
0: going to she was
2: just
0: done cater to your needs any longer. And, you know, I mean she's been dealing with these guys for months now, better mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like part of a year. And she's fed up with them. Yeah. And she's trying yeah. to keep quorum whatever the in the courtroom. She has discretion and she's well aware of the national spectacle mm-hmm. that this has become. And she is trying to appease the victim's families at this point. Of course. And the defense team is trying to make it all about them. Yeah. You don't know what we've had to go through when they're talking about our kids. These fucking people, man. And the first lady uh, has the audacity to say, say whatever you want to Nicholas Cruz, but leave us out of it. What the fuck? <laughs> Listen.
6: You know how many times I've seen clients like actually, how do I say, like, oh, I wish you have never, you never have to go through this or I wish this never happens to you or stuff like that of saying nasty or mean things to us. Yeah. Well, you don't make it about you. You just follow along.
0: I'm just going to say this. And Eliana, maybe you could speak to this as mm-hmm. well. But whenever I represent a client, I am taking on their case. And if I'm going to argue a position in court, whatever comes along with it, I adopt.
9: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's more forever real in criminal court than any other arena. Civil court, you know, family court, immigration court, you know. I mean, you take on those cases, and but when you lose on those cases or your client loses on those cases because they're on the losing side of the issues, their freedom is not in jeopardy, exception of maybe immigration. Um, but these criminal cases, when you, if you're going to represent a client like that, there is a way that you do it that respects humanity
2: yeah
0: and what these what this defense team has done throughout with the games that they've been playing, with their um, ubiquitous attempts to stall and delay the proceedings, with the gamesmanship, with the flipping off of the judge, with the laughing in the victims' faces with their client, you know as they're laughing and joking with the, with the, the men that murdered all of their children. Um, to complaining about it when the victim had negative things to say after they've sat in that courtroom and watched all of these things to make it about them in that moment to disrupt the victim's ability to speak out and finally have a voice to say what they needed to say and say, judge, you need to stop this. What the fuck with those people? I mean, that, that first attorney, the one with the ponytail, the blonde haired lady, I don't know what her name is,
2: I heard McNeil McNeil, or something like that.
0: But she reminds me of, um, I don't know, she's just so entitled in the way that she speaks. (laughs) No air of uh, any um, any sense of the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Not being able to read the judge, not being able to read the room, not being able to read the national situation and understanding that, yeah, you represented your client in a case and you did the job. Nobody blames you for doing that. Even the victims came out in press conferences saying, I understand you had a job to do.
9: Of course. But the
0: way that they have gone about this has put a major stain on defense teams all across the country. Lawyers are some of my least favorite people in the world. Which is
2: funny coming from a lawyer.
0: I hate lawyers. I I can't stand lawyers. Most of us are cool, but the the kinds of lawyers that these people have Mm -hmm. represented themselves as in this trial- is reprehensible and the reason why i hate lawyers is because of this haughtiness this the smugness and the audacity for them to go out there and advocate for themselves yeah
2: that's very true. after everything
0: that's going on just rubs me the wrong way it's unforgivable one of the one of the the victim's impact statements came from a, a 20-year practicing attorney or i think he said 47 years and he uh, had all kinds of things to say about it from my perspective, it's this: when I represent my criminal clients in court, and I've represented some unsavory people, if I'm going to take their case to trial, whether or not I win, or if I lose, you're sitting with them at counsel table, and they're sitting next to you, and those death stares that you're getting from the juror members when they find out that your client was a child molester or a rapist or a murderer, you absorb all of that. Mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say, how do you, too, as a practicing attorneys, detach yourselves from those kinds of situations, you know?
0: Well, the way that I do it is um, there's, there's two ways you represent a client. As I've said, you know, many times on this show, one of them is you believe that your client is innocent and you're going to mm-hmm. fight the good fight yeah. and you're going to try to win at trial and preserve their freedom because you believe that that's what's right. Remember the side we talk about, good versus evil, and everybody believes that they're fighting on the good side. Yeah. And everybody believes that the only way justice can be carried out is if their side wins. And so you understand that when you're going into a case that's a criminal case where there are alleged victims, that there are people, the victims themselves, the victims' families, the prosecution, in some sense, the jurors, in some cases, the judge, are going to be looking at you as, how could you defend such a man yeah. or a person? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to represent your client and take that to trial and try to dismiss the charges as if they're not guilty, then you absorb all of that vitriol from the public. And you stand with your arm around your client and say, I'm going to step out there. And yeah, they're going to look at you like that, but I'm going to be right here with you. We're going we're to go out there and we're going to do this. Okay. And they're not going to like you, and it's going to feel really bad. But I'm going to put on your case, and you're going to have your day in court, and they're going to make a decision based on the evidence. And whether you're guilty or innocent, it's up to them. I've won cases. I've lost cases. And the cases that I lost, um, I sat in the victim impact statements. And I did not fault the victims for whatever they had to say towards them or towards me. Granted, it, they didn't say anything against me, because they won their case. Mine wasn't a, <laughs> a, a, a default. Uh, mine wasn't a uh, death penalty case. Yeah. So they won their case, but I'm sitting there, and, and all of this, all of this anger is being lodged at my client. But I'm not. I can't. I have no right to be offended. Yeah. If you're going to go to law school and spend all of that time and your energy and pass the bar and become an attorney and represent a client like this, and Um, you know, take on the case, then you got to do the job all the way.
2: You got to finish the job. Mm -hmm.
0: And part of the job is to absorb what's coming. And what's coming is the emotional toll that has been, you know, heaped upon the victim's families for four years now. This case happened back in 20. The incident happened in 2018.
9: 2018. We're almost in 23. Mm
0: 22 is almost over. But it offends me as an attorney The way that these, this defense team conducted itself, I'm literally appalled, Mm -hmm. and I don't get that way. I'm I'm more often than not on the side of the attorneys and in Mm -hmm. whatever side because this is a hard job. Yeah,
9: yeah,
0: it's extremely taxing. I know what we go through as attorneys. I know how we take these cases home. I know how it weighs on our conscience. I know I just know how it is. But in this case the way that they conducted themselves, I just cannot give them a pass on that. What do you think, Eliana?
1: I wonder what did they expect, like flowers and thank yous, (laughs) (laughs) the way they're reacting. But um, aside from that, I think just to answer Jocelyn's um, question, that at least for me, is I try to, of course, focus on the law and the facts and then just try my best uh, to apply the law and I guess deal with the technicalities of the law rather than focusing on the uh, emotion part. Yeah. Like, especially if I know like my client is guilty Yeah. because a lot of times there's guilty people. But if uh, the case is not put um, like correctly, there's rights that they have and you have to protect those rights. And that's what I, what I'm there for. Like yeah. I need, I just do the best that I can according to of course the law and what I know. And I think
2: that allows me to sleep well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean. That's a good way of putting it, though, for sure.
0: That's what Eliana said is 100% how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a job. We have a case. Sometimes we can't pick our clients. Like these public defenders, they can't pick Mm -hmm. their clients. They're representing the worst of the worst. Of course. Most of their clients are guilty. It's just, most people that get arrested, it's for a reason.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Very, I mean, how often has your grandma been arrested coming home from Olive Garden?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Most people who are arrested are involved in some bad shit. Yeah. If you're going to take a case of trial, then you accept everything that comes with mm-hmm. it. But there's been cases where, look, I understand you're telling me that you didn't do it, but they got you on surveillance
2: footage. Mm-hmm. The exact thing. <laughs> they
0: got your taped confession mm-hmm. to the victim herself. What do you think we're going to the jury's going to do? They're just going to imagine that that didn't they didn't hear those things. That's not how this works.
1: But your role there and then is to uh, protect his rights, to so make sure that of yep. course there was like no uh, like oh, I don't know his Miranda rights were read, right? Yeah. there yeah. was no coercion. They're looking for constitutional like violations yeah. those kinds of and things. And all that and I mean they even if they're guilty they still have a right they do. to good representation. So that's what we do. It's I don't know. I just I, I mean, guess yeah, that, if you guys always had an emotional
2: <laughs> aspect to it, you wouldn't be able to get much done, no, you know? No.
1: And that's what I tell my clients. If I were to put myself in your shoes and take all of the emotion and all of the drama, yeah. then I wouldn't be a good attorney of because course. I will get all involved and not have like a, this, I guess, uh, third point of view yeah. that's going to help me determine what is like the... I guess the strengths and the uh, weaknesses of your case. Yeah, so. you wouldn't be able to look at it logically. No, it would just be emotionally. Yeah,
6: no. <laughs> I do have to take your stand at this because um, aside from this, I'm also an interpreter. I'm preparing myself for the California exam, one of my final exams while I was doing while I was going to school. Mm-hmm. I had to um, interpret for. It was a criminal case. I, it mm-hmm. still gives me the chills. Sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's part of the things that I you have to get over it. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was. Um, it was this guy was a married couple. She was eighteen, he was twenty. They were very young. They had a six-month-old, and he was so jealous that she was paying so much attention to the baby that he broke the baby's bones with his bare hands like this. Oh, wow. Each <sighs> and every I had to translate. Not translate. Sorry. Sorry. Interpret every single word of that person and you feel like a piece of trash yeah putting those words in your mouth mm-hmm. and saying it the way he's saying it but you have to remember that you're just a voice mm-hmm. you're, you're not the heart or the head or that person it's the same with you guys i know you mm-hmm. guys have you guys do everything for your clients i know but at the end of the day you can't take that emotional burden or yeah. like yeah. All those emotions, everything swallow them and make let them affect you because otherwise you're not going to be the best at your job. You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to put the hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll say this: that um, there's a reason why uh, the legal profession has the highest instances yes. of uh, people that are uh, depressed, substance abuse mm-hmm. um, issues, like um, a suicidal sleep. rates. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough job. It is. It's not for every. You only have, as a trial attorney, you only have so many trials in you before you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. I can't tell you how true that is. Every trial that I've done, every significant trial that I've done, after the trial was over, my body literally just shut down because my body was just on overdrive. My brain was on overdrive. Mm-hmm. The emotional toll that yeah. it takes on you, you're just finished. And I, get, I would get severely sick, and I just, my body was shut down for a few days and I need to recover wow. every single trial like that. You can't do that before so many times, you know. And, and you know, for the, the attorneys that do that practice for a long time, I guarantee you that they've only done that they're not doing trials every couple of months. It's yeah. just you can't. I You're mean, human. not like this.
2: You're human. Yeah. You're human. Now
0: there's trials. That lasts like an hour, a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like, trials like these. that are like, a week or a two. Yeah. yeah, actual I don't trials. mean one-hour trials, bench no. trial. That's mm-hmm. not percent. what I'm talking no. about. I'm talking about your full-on engaged. There's nothing else going mm-hmm. on in your life. Your only focus is on your client and this case.
1: And it doesn't matter how much uh, practice like you have still. It has an effect on you. Because the other day I was in court and there was this older attorney. And it was listening to him talking to another attorney saying that he was preparing for a trial and he had to take pepto because every time that he has a trial, he just gets like no way. really nauseous. Yeah. I get like, him. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. And I, it really surprised me because, of course, as a young attorney, I was like, okay, I guess when I get to that age, it's not going to change much. I'm still going to get all queasy and get the, a little bit nauseous and nervous in the beginning. But yeah. it's part of it. It's mm. It's like you said, it's... A lot on the body. It's a lot of pressure and mentally, physically, so.
0: Well, for, for me, like, there's there's cues that you have. Like, mm-hmm. when I'm in the courtroom, like, you'll feel those nerves. But as soon as I open my, as soon as I hear my own voice, mm-hmm. I'm usually right at ease. Yes. And it, it goes away. And then I, mm-hmm. there, there's this trick that you do where you got to breathe in deeply, get your yourself, your mm-hmm. brain flooded with oxygen because it'll give you clarity. Yeah. And um, it does something chemically with the anxiety that you're feeling in that moment. It calms you down. Mm-hmm. Um. Like when you see people that are nauseous on a plane, they start breathing into a bag or whatever they do. Yes. I think part of that is just, uh, I mean, I'm not qualified to talk about it. this. is your
2: experience with yeah, it, yeah. it's my
0: experience, yeah. There's some tricks. I don't get as nervous, nearly as nervous as mm-hmm. I do before, and a lot of that's just because I know the law so much better than when I was a, a mm-hmm. younger attorney. Um, and I know that sometimes, well, I just, I'm experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the anxiety that I do feel has nothing to do with the law. The anxiety that I feel is for my clients.
1: Exactly, the pressure that you feel.
6: Yeah, that's the thing. We do this every day. We Mm -hmm. see it every day. It becomes a part of us. Mm -hmm. But many of the clients, they're like, this is the very first time I'm even stepping in a courtroom or Mm -hmm. even seeing a bailiff. They get so nervous. Most of the clients we have, I have them them on the phone until their case is called Mm -hmm. because they're like, I don't know what to do. I feel so upset. I'm nervous. I don't know. Should I say this? Should I not? Because it's the very first time. But I know you guys
1: and it the the actual nervous feeling never goes uh-huh. away. I know that for a fact. <laughs> well it gets I guess it gets better because I was just telling my husband yesterday that on Tuesday I almost fell like full face on in front of everybody in the courtroom. <laughs> oh my god. And I think because I tripped with a chair. I think a couple of years back I would have been like so ashamed. And I was like, Oh oops, I tripped and I just kept going. Everybody was looking like, Are you okay? I'm like, Yes. Like, and I guess yeah. that I realized in that moment, like, I guess I don't, I'm not that scared anymore <laughs> if I make a fool of myself yeah, in front w- of with, everybody. Yeah,
0: like a somersault into a handstand and then wheel cart yeah. and then did a little tut. da Yeah, like,
1: I feel comfortable <laughs> walking around the, the courtroom. It's like, I guess, mm-hmm. our second house almost. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you
0: belong there. There's no, I mean. It is. I think. Justin, you've been saying you're allowed to do that in the courtroom. You can do whatever the fuck you want to yeah. do. In the I, it court just room. blows
2: my mind watching it. You know? Did you
0: see Daryl Brooks and all of this? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that also shocked me. He built the you know?
2: fourth of his discovery. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: It doesn't get any worse than that. But and, you know, the so, pro
2: per clients, I kind of, I kind of yeah. see, I kind of understand. But you know, the attorneys acting that way is really blows oh, my Jesus, mind. Oh
0: I've seen, I've, I've, I've seen it all when it comes to attorneys. There's some, there's some really yeah. good attorneys in there. There's some really bad attorneys. I've seen attorneys not, uh, no, not know the law. I've seen mm-hmm. attorneys. attorneys Attorneys not knowing to shut the fuck up in front of the judge. Mm -hmm. I've seen attorneys get in a fight in halls. Um, I've seen the bailiff have to restrain attorneys before. Um, Attorneys are not prone to emotion or are not immune to emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They are just as prone as everybody else to poor displays in the courtroom despite. And and we talk a lot about their type A personalities. Yes. You know, they're used to people when they sit down, people shut the fuck up and listen and just assume that they're Mm -hmm. right because they're attorneys. The judge doesn't give a shit. The bailiff no. doesn't give a shit. But they're all, they have the same law degree. And so they're coming from a place of they think that they're speaking with authority. And how dare anybody challenge their authority? Yeah. <laughs> even if they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They still assume, you know? And and even when they're wrong, we are trained in law school that you got to keep arguing your point. Yep. And it becomes like this ego-based thing.
9: Yeah.
0: And people with low emotional IQs are just not being able to read the room. Mm-hmm. You get the Parkland... Uh, defense team of Nicholas Cruz (laughs) Um, I wanted to highlight one of the impact statements Uh, a gentleman by the name of Manuel Oliver he had his son murdered by Nicholas Cruz Mm. and he gets up and he has some poignant statements for the defense team and for Nicholas Cruz himself and um, I stand with Mr. Manuel Oliver I wanted to play his play this and have you guys uh, see what you guys thought good afternoon Look how he's dressed. I love that shirt.
3: I'm showing him to is. court like that one day. Love
0: his hair.
3: Is. Thank you, sir.
2: his pistols.
10: That's a
0: shirt. <laughs> oh,
10: Joaquin.
2: That's uh, the, the the um the victim's girlfriend that I was talking about.
10: I was advised not to be in this room since the very beginning of the trial.
2: I believe they're from Venezuela. Yes.
10: Because if I have said something wrong, you guys could complain. And then I will feel very guilty, not only for my family, but for the other families. So I took an advice from some of my friends here and decided to and decided to stay home and watch you guys all time and watch my brave girls, Andrea and Patricia, doing what they did. And I saw how this doctor was explaining the autopsy of Joaquin. Details that I was avoiding. Because I always hoped that Joaquin did not suffer. But he did suffer. You shot my kid four times. You blew his head. His marvelous brain and ideas and dreams to destroy them. Shot him four times. You needed an AR-15 to do that. Because otherwise Joaquin will have beaten the shit out of you.
9: Mm.
10: (laughs) But you were coward enough. And you can be cowards in this life. Hiding your actions. The middle thing. Apologizing for a middle finger. You need to learn how to do a middle finger. So you don't need to apologize to anyone. Yesterday I heard all of you concerned about your children. Ironic and uh, unreal. The whole trial, suddenly. Oh, don't mess with my kids, my children. Keep away from that. Really? What about our children? So for a minute, the trial was about protecting your kids. That was crazy. I was told not to use profanity here, I won't, I'll try. (laughs) I think that one of the reasons that you did this, I'm talking to you right now, is to be famous. So I think that someone will steal that fame from you.
0: Look at that guy the stupid pink tie sitting back there. <laughs> I thought it was kicked out. What happened? Will own that fame.
10: And someone will. You're going to die before me. And I will celebrate when you die. I heard you saying that you don't want to suffer, you don't like painful things, you understand that you will suffer and you will go through pain, a lot of pain, it would be much easier die like a king in a supervised way that everything goes, I wish I could die like. That's not your future anymore. A lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and someone will replace your fame. And I'm closing this chapter today, but you're not. Your chapter opens today. And Joaquin is with us, his mom, with me. We are with him every single day. That day, you didn't kill me. You didn't kill Patricia. So we are still Joaquin's parents. And Andrea is still Joaquin's sister. And we do what parents do. We come here and let you know what is right or wrong when you fuck with all children. And a lot of people will hate all of you guys now. And they've seen your faces. And you can complain about what I'm saying right now. I don't care. Go ahead. I'm the last speaker, by the way, so (laughs) (laughs) nothing will happen if you say anything right now. And I have another message for you. It's not cool what you did. All the kids, the youth that along with Patricia and myself work tireless every single day on debating gun violence and change the future of this nation? Hate you. So if you were trying to be the cool guy, you're not. You're the worst. How does it feel? Nobody likes you. Sad. You know who they love, Joaquin? They love him. They sent him messages. He has followers. Millions of followers. followers yeah. from earlier For all around the planet. And they will keep on following Joaquin. While you are afraid of going through pain and die so someone will steal your fame. And this should be our chance to be very clear sending a precedent out there, which is something that I was hoping it could happen here, but I'm afraid it didn't. Because if we have a death penalty option, again, you have heard this a thousand times, and we're not using it to take...
0: I'm going to cut that one a little bit short because it's going a little bit long, but um, God, I want to have a... A beer and a whiskey with a yeah. <laughs> cigar. Um, that's uh that's the reality of it. Those are the parents. Yeah, and, very um,
2: powerful statement.
0: What he just said. I mean, which I hope it turns prophetic. You were going to die before me.
2: Yes. You were mm-hmm.
0: going to suffer pain, mm-hmm. and when it happens, I will celebrate. And that look on the kid's face. I mean, Jesus.
2: It's it's a very strange look for <laughs> sure. I can't. Decipher. But it doesn't change. He's yeah. just like
0: a robot. Um, but you know what he's saying is probably very true. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a, there's a couple more uh, that I wanted to highlight. There was oh, Inez Maria Hicks and her um, father-in-law was murdered by Nicholas Cruz. You know, we had intended to go into um, some stuff with Kim Kardashian and uh, Daryl <laughs> Brooks, but we are like at an hour seven right now, so
5: we're going to have to Kardashian save those for next week.
0: There's a settlement about how she was defrauding people with some kind of uh, uh, Bitcoin um, oh,
2: stuff. Was it when she posted it on her Instagram something or something Yeah, like they
0: settled like out a court it. and I was going to talk about it, but ah, we can save okay. that for next week. Oh, okay. um, I did want you guys uh, to hear... Um, is this the sister? No. So um, the sister of one of the victims uh, gets up there, uh, and um, I wasn't going to
11: say anything.
6: I think that's the sister. Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She
0: doesn't. She doesn't uh, have anything to say to Nicholas, but she re- speaks directly to uh, the defense team. Oh. I loved what she had to say
11: uh, until yesterday's events. So I will start with this to you. I would never, ever, ever sit down and write anything about you and take my time. So, like Doug Nixon said, you will cease to exist after today. I just hope that your fellow inmates take real nice and cozy care of you. Oh,
2: my God.
11: (laughs) So, I wasn't going to say anything today, but in light of yesterday's events, I decided I would not allow any of you to make us out to be the kind of people that resort to any kind of threats, especially threats towards children. No one in this courtroom has had to go through what we have had to go through. Statement statement by Gordon Weeks. What exactly have you had to go through? Did you have to sit here for the past few months and listen to medical experts describe how many shots your loved one received? How much they suffered while being hunted down by the murderer? Are you that out of touch? Ms. McNeil, were your feelings hurt yesterday? Because here I thought you were a soulless person along with your fabulous team.
0: Is that the one Since with the ponytail or Ms. McNeil? Yeah. Mm. Mm.
11: Not once looking over at us, instead feeling empathy and compassion for the murderer. Whatever so-called attacks you are receiving, you brought upon yourselves, each and every one of you. Had you handled this case with more class and professionalism, we perhaps could have focused our negative feelings solely on the murderer. But professionalism, class, and respect is something only the prosecution seems to be acquainted with. I will repeat your words. Remember, this was a moral, a personal moral decision you all made. Like when you decide to marry someone or when you don't wanna marry someone. So look into your heart, look into your soul, and learn to live with the fact that you condoned the slaughter of 17 innocents. But I promise you that one day, I don't know when, you will ask yourself, did I make the right decision? Thank you, Your Honor, for the way you conducted this entire trial.
0: That's the first time I've ever seen a, um... Victim impact statement directed solely at the defense team. Wow! But I guess you could say that they earned it. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Given the conduct. <laughs> yeah,
0: they brought it on themselves. Um, there was one more by Fred Gutenberg, but we don't have to. We don't have to stretch that out. I think. Um, I don't know the Parkland trial. I guess this deserved an hour ten minute episode. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There was a lot to unpack there, but, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to spend some time on it just because I had such an, uh, emotional reaction when I heard their objections and, you know, normally I, I was literally listening to this in the background as I was, um, I forgot what I was doing. I think I was writing a, a motion or something, um, or a declaration, but in the background, I heard this objection and then I heard the judge, um, chastising <laughs> and kicking the guy out of the court. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. What is-? And uh, it comes to, you know, find out the um, defense team was uh, acting and I guess, what was par for the course for them. Um, so to wrap it up, do you guys have any parting thoughts about Parkland? Mm. Well, as far as the victim impact statements.
2: The, the father's impact statement gave me chills literally, um, but I think it was very powerful and
0: Oh, when he said that um his, his uh, son had all of these beautiful thoughts and then yeah. he blew his head off. Yeah.
2: yeah. It just oof, it got me teary-eyed. I mean, I have sisters around the same age as all the victims, so I kind of get scared at the thought of something happening like that to their schools or something like that. But yeah, just give me chills. Just give me chills.
0: I mean, I couldn't even imagine. I got I have a sixteen year old daughter myself. Yeah. And um just putting myself in the parents' shoes all of that time invested into your child. And uh, there was another uh, parent that got up there and a uh, Fred Gutenberg, he g- gets up there and says that I still has, you know what? I'm going to play it. Fuck it.
9: Get-
0: <laughs> I'm paying the bills. We got time.
8: First, your honor. Thank you. We've been at this now for almost four and a half, over four and a half years. It's the first time I've actually had this chance to address you directly. Which is, I guess, the way this
0: process is supposed to work. I'm going to skip ahead when he starts talking about his daughter.
8: Watch the video of you. I'm glad I get to see your face right now. Of you killing my daughter for the very first time. You see all those video evidence that was shown in this courtroom? We didn't see it. Maybe that was to protect us, to protect the public. We didn't see it. But... Heading into this week, I was searching for answers to clarity. And I sat with attorney sats, and I watched you kill my daughter on video. And unfortunately, I saw you killing many of the others as well. I saw you enjoying it. And I saw also what I expected of my daughter, who was the toughest human being on the face of the earth running for her life down the hallway. And the thing is, my daughter made it to within one second of being alive. She actually made it into the stairwell. You shot her with a single shot. You severed her spinal cord, her chest filled with blood, in the stairwell. You did that. You did that to the other 16 as well. After I sat with Mike, I did what I often do. I went to the cemetery, looking for guidance from Jamie for strength. And I walked away from the cemetery realizing, no matter the outcome of the verdict, nothing changed. Jamie's still at the cemetery. Nothing changed. I'm still a dad who spent every day dreaming of walking his daughter down the aisle, who now will have to endure a lifetime of the reality that I won't get to walk my daughter down the aisle. There are, actually by a show of hands, anyone else in this room because of him gonna have to endure not watching people they love get married? I am a person who has to endure the fact that my daughter is not in the college of her dreams because of you. Out of curiosity, does anyone else in this room have to endure the fact that their loved ones aren't in college? Because of you, I've had to endure spending Father's Day. My wife has had to endure spending Mother's Day. We've had to endure spending our time for birthdays at a cemetery. Anyone else because of him have to endure those things? Yeah, anyone who claims that they had to endure anything close to what we endure, you may want to rethink your language and your choice of words just a bit.
0: I don't think you could have said it any more powerfully nope. than that. Oh, no. Endure, right? They used that word, they said they endured. What are they endured? What did somebody said something mean to them in the victim <laughs> impact statements? Somebody gave them a dirty look. Did somebody yep. flip them off? Give me a break. Why don't you all grow a pair um, or don't grow a pair? It doesn't matter. Um, at well, at this point uh, we are an hour 16 in and it's time to wrap up episode 16 or are, are yes. on 17. Are we on 16 or 17? I think
1: 17.
0: On, no, I think we're on 16. Yeah. Um, Thank you all for listening to the show. And we, uh, as always, we record uh, new episodes on Thursdays. We, they premiere every Friday afternoon um, around three o'clock, um, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. Um, you can also listen to us, well, not only on the YouTube channel, uh, which we've gained um, uh, some followers um, in the last few days, but on the podcast, you can, whatever your podcast of choice, whether you listen to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Castbox, whatever it is. Um, you can find the Tilted Lawyer podcast in audio form um, and it debuts the same. Well, the shows come out at the same time as the YouTube uh, video. But thank you for all, all of your support. If you have any show requests or topics that you want us to cover, um, by all means, uh, leave, um, uh, leave some comments down below. And then we will surely uh, get to your topics of choice. Other than that, uh, any parting words from um, any of you?
1: Tune in next week. Tune in next week. (laughs) We'll see you all next week. We love you all.
0: And we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast. We really do appreciate that. And as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Tilted Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care.